Welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. I'm your host, Bruce Bratley, founder of recycling company First Mile. On this show, we meet and learn from the climate heroes who are building solutions right now to tackle climate change. The fashion industry is responsible for more global carbon emissions than the entire aviation sector, and that's around about 8%, and often relies on cheap labour and manufacturing practices that can be harmful to the environment. Fast fashion has created a culture of disposable clothing where items are worn a few times and then throw away, and this in turn contributes to textile waste and more pollution. In the UK alone, 350,000 tonnes of clothing get dumped in landfills every year, according to RAP. However, there's a solution, there always is, which is to reuse garments and give them a new lease of life. This is good for the planet, and a new life cycle ass- assessment out just this week shows that the environmental impact of reusing clothing is 70 times, 70 times lower than the production of new garments. But reusing garments is not that simple. And to help us understand the opportunity and the challenges, I am delighted to welcome Ross Barry to First Mile's Climate Heroes. Ross is co-founder of Reskinned, who are linking up existing reuse solutions with new technologies to create a more sustainable fashion sector. Ross, welcome to First Mile Climate Heroes. It's fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great. Cheers. So, Ross, this new life cycle analysis from the European Recycling Industries Confederation that shows the benefits of reusing clothing is 70 times less than new clothing it's sort of not unusual. It's sort of not surprising, but the quantum of it is staggering. I mean, it's just fantastic saving. And is this the? Is this? Have you always known this sort of instinctively? Is this the climate impact that you're chasing down with reskinned? I'd like to say I've always known it, but it seems to be common sense that reusing something to the absolute end is the best possible thing. But I didn't honestly expect it to be seventy times better. Uh, when we set up reskinned, it was all about reusing cli- uh, clothing and keeping it or putting it in the hands of the people that need it most. So for long in the life cycle, but yeah, the carbon saving there is, is actually astonishing. And do you think that's coming from right, right through the supply? I mean, I haven't, to be honest, read the entire report. Do you think it's coming right through the supply chain or do you think it's the actual physical clothing that has most of the impact there? Because presumably if you're reusing clothing, you still have a, uh, a supply chain impact in terms of transport and packing and distribution and, and, and those elements of it. Yeah, I think, I, sorry, I can't remember the exact figures, but I know when RAP started looking at this 15 odd years ago, the Sustainable Clothing Action Plan, you know, within clothing, the biggest impact is in, you know, the production. And from that, you know, the growing of cotton, uh, producing polyester, it's a petrochemical, so the mining and that impact Obviously, the manufacture and dyeing process, the water consumed, the electricity and making the garments. And when you actually look at the life cycle of clothes, a significant amount is in use, carbon, sort of the washing, the cleaning, but it's fairly minimal. And I think you just alluded to, you know, obviously reusing it and transporting it around. Again, when you're doing things on bulk, the carbon footprint of shipping containers is relatively small compared to the actual water reuse of cotton. I think it's something like 40,000 litres to make a pair of jeans. It's fairly astonishing. Wow, it's crazy. And so, you know, we've, we've been reusing. Uh, reusing isn't a new technology. We've been, you know, wearing our elder brothers and sisters' clothes for uh, generations. Um, 
but you're you're taking existing reuse solutions and then adding in that a layer of new technology to enable reuse at scale. So can you describe the reskin process and bring that alive for the listeners? Yeah, so we set up reskin with the sort of the initial thing was we have to make it easy for people. So it's either easy for the consumer to make the right choice and do the right thing with the clothing they no longer want, or even it's easy for the brand. You know, a lot of brands have accepted that they're going to be responsible for the clothing they've put out there and they want to do the right thing. But textile reclamation, recycling isn't particularly straightforward. So we wanted to be able to offer a one-stop shop so the brands know that we can maximise the use of that clothing, be that selling it on or recycling, but it's responsible and 100% gets reused or recycling. Nothing goes to landfill. So Reskinned primarily partners with a brand or a retailer. They say to their customers, you know, you've bought our clothing, I hope you've loved it, but once you've finished with it, send it back to us. We will then handle it, deal it with it. But to say thank you, they get a voucher, which means that the customer can then go and spend it on a new purchase. So you've got the brand loyalty there. We take it back. We will then start using our tech. So we will look at what the garment is. We will validate it. And then it just goes through our process. It gets sanitized and cleaned with ozone. It then goes to our listing table, which will pick out the key features, see if it needs a repair. If it does need repairing, we've got an in-house repair studio. After that, it come back and it get photographed and it'd be put online. And hopefully, as you can see from the website, the experience is like buying new. We don't want it to be hard work trawling through thousands and thousands of garments. You go there, it's categorised. The product photography is really high quality, so you can see what you're getting. And if for whatever reason you buy it, you don't like it or it doesn't fit, then you can send it back and get your money back. So, you know, it should be as enjoyable as buying new. And it's a great website. I mean, I've used it. Now, now it's a good time to have a plug. We'll do plugs throughout the show. So while listener, if listeners are sitting at their laptop, they can check out your website. What's the URL for the website? It is reskinned.clothing. So, yeah, have a look. Perfect. Check it out. And the, and I've been around uh, your factory, and it is really cool because it's it is literally bags of uh, clothes coming in, and then at the other end you've got these beautifully smelling um well actually they don't smell beautiful they just don't smell of anything it's quite weird items of clothing and um you know the technology you're using to photograph and list them and check them it's like really involved so you know what's the what's your sort of favorite bit of tech that you've uh, sort of deployed in that in that process i think the point that you notice it is that clothes don't smell when people are sending things back to us nobody's like taking garments off and just sending it back unwashed. What they're tending to do is overcompensate and, you know, it really smells of their washing powder. And I think that's something that when we started looking into what it is people want, yes, they love the fact that it's pre-loved, but they also don't want the association that somebody else has worn it. So if you've got somebody else's laundry on there, it smells. So the ozone process just completely neutralizes it. So when you open the bag, it's like opening new clothes. It's sort of, it hasn't got the new car smell. It's just got a very genetic smell. So I think that's part of the thing, you know, making pre-loved like new. The next favourite thing is obviously the photography. I love the fact that it cuts it out. It's really high quality. We can zoom in and an awful lot of work's gone into that just to make sure that you can really zoom in and see the minor details. If we say that it's got a mark on it, you can see 
if that's a mark that's going to bother you or not. And, you know, some people do and some people don't. So, yeah, that's my favourite bit, I think. I mean, quite amazing, really. And you've got some really cool brands on there, Finister, Sweaty Betty, Jules. So customers bring um, items into the stores to return to you as well. And are they are those brands utilizing reskin to send back any surplus stock or unsold stock that they you know may put on the sale rail but it's it's not shifting does that come back to you as well or are they have they got a different avenue for that um so when we originally started it, the idea was we will handle the take back of pre love clothing but as soon as the brands came on board and started seeing what we was doing and understood it then suddenly it's like oh, okay you might be able to help with other issues so you know there's a lot of samples that they use there's failed QC, dead stock, customer returns is something that we're talking to a lot of brands about. And, you know, you just don't appreciate how many clothes get returned, especially through online platforms where people, you know, the, I think the saying I heard was the bedrooms, the new changing rooms where people buy five items, knowing full well that only one will fit and send four of them back. And especially for fast fashion brands, you know, by the time somebody's tried it on, sent it back, it then goes to their DC. Even if they got it online that day, the chances are it's probably no longer current stock. So there's a lot of issues there. So again, we can offer solutions for that. And do you get like a massive peak after, um, is it Black Friday, I think they call it, or Internet Monday, whatever it is. Do you get a massive peak of people that bought 10 items and then they come back through to you eventually? Or do you sort of tend to see a bigger peak after the holidays, January's the holidays where people are having a spring clean. Yeah, our, our industry's always been very sort of cyclical. So it's traditionally when the kids go back to school, we get a massive clear out. Before Christmas, people tend to sort of not send so much. But January, you know, it's all going. And we've got an eBay site and I was quite shocked the amount of people were buying clothes on Christmas Day. But also you could see that people were listing new clothing on Christmas Day. So they've clearly got a present, decided they don't like it and are listing it. Yeah, wow, just straight away like that. That's crazy. Do you think if we focus more on reuse, that is going to push opportunity up the supply chain so we get clothing? I mean, Patagonia, the most famous company for doing this, clothing that is repairable, repaired on an ongoing basis, more suitable for reuse because it's better made, therefore more durable. And do you think your activity and the activity of this reuse market is actually going to push quality back at the supply chain is there an opportunity there yeah so i think you know vivian westwood said you know buy better and keep it for longer you should and this is something that we've noticed especially since well really through covid when we started up you could see people's thinking was beginning to change i think people sat back and said do i need all of this stuff is it really responsible buying sort of dress or a top or t-shirt to wear on a Saturday night and then get rid of it. People looking at, you know, the environment, everyone's more conscious of it nowadays. And if they buy something that they know is going to last and is a little bit more timeless, one, it saves the money, but also it sort of helps the environment. And with our model with the trading, it's a little bit sort of like, I suppose, the car industry. 20, 30 years ago, Audi, Mercedes, BMW was not going to be seen anywhere near second-hand car dealership. Nowadays, you know, approved pre-used cars is one of their biggest things. I think Ford, surprisingly, biggest business now is renting and selling second-hand cars and actually new cars. First Mile is the UK's leading waste management service. 
We help over 30,000 businesses reduce their carbon impact with our award-winning range of recycling solutions. Go to our website, which is thefirstmile.co.uk to get started today. If you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to subscribe. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday. What are the main challenges for the reskin business model? Is it getting enough stuff through the front door? Is it the quality, selling enough? Where are you finding the challenges? I think from our point of view, the getting it in through the door, people seem to have loved the idea. We're getting you know, a tidal wave of brands wanting to talk to us because I think they can see we're doing something different. The biggest challenge is actually because we will recycle everything, that sector's had very little investment in sort of both in money but also in innovation. There's a finite number of clothes that can go to make, you know, insulation for cars or what have you. So the biggest challenge probably the time lag between this tidal wave of clothes coming in and actually making sure there's something to be done with them and getting that closed loop circular system going. Where are the challenges in, on recycling? And the technology to me feels like it's moving very quickly around textile recycling. Could you give us an update in terms of where these, what the main technologies are and where we are in terms of recycling waste textiles? Yeah, so recycling, you know, has been, textile recycling has been around for hundreds of years with the last great invention being production of shoddy up in Batley in about 1830. And since then, it sort of seemed to stagnate a little bit. Traditionally, Italy, Spain, Portugal have had a re-spinning industry. So they will break clothing back down into its fibres. And then you've got enough fibre length that you can re-spin to make new clothes out of. But that really relies on having a pure fibre. So you need pure cotton or pure wool. A company called Recover over in Spain, a very old company, but they've reinvented the system as such and just received an awful lot of funding. And, you know, they're really spearheading new production through mechanical recycling. There's a company set up in Yorkshire called Ilunu. I'm not sure if I've got that right. And they're making woolen yarn. So some of the old technologies getting, or the old systems are getting new technology and getting reinvented. And again, so whereas a lot of soft furnishings, insulation used to be made out of old textiles, people started buying virgin material because it was probably cheaper and easier. And now they're looking back and saying, well, hang on, this is a resource here. It's probably cheaper than and easier than importing it from the Far East. Let's start using that. So that's had a little bit of an upsurge. But the really exciting stuff's within chemical recycling. So this seems to be split into two strands at the moment. You've got the Scandinavian countries, um, Renuso and Swedish being the biggest guys. They've taken cotton, post-industrial, post-consumer, it goes through a chemical process and produces a material that's cellulose. So they've obviously used paper converting technology, applied it to cotton, and they make new material that you can already buy in H&M and is sort of, you know, absolutely amazing. It's, there's no degradation. What you put in, you get out. So from an environmental perspective, you know, it's saving billions of gallons of water and, you know, they're just going from strength to strength. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other companies following on. On the other side, you've got polyester, which is obviously a petrochemical. And again, you can take that back through a chemical process, split out the cotton, because most polyesters are polycotton blends, and 
take it back to as good as a virgin polymer, re-spin it, and again, it's an infinite loop of circular fashion. What you're finding at the moment is there's a little bit of greenwashing whereby PET bottles, so your plastic bottles are actually getting converted into clothes, which is good, but as the EU, I think, is due to legislate on this, they're saying plastic bottles has actually got quite a good recycling loop. There's the collection system and it's efficient. As soon as you take a bottle out of that loop and put it into clothing, it then goes into a very linear system and will probably end up in landfill pretty quickly. So what they're saying is there has to be a fibre to fibre system, which, you know, legislation like that is really going to put some money into this industry and hopefully get us there within the next five years or so. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the PET bottles because the other thing that I see an increasing uh, number of news stories on is businesses making items of clothing from nylon fishing nets. Is that, uh, is that, is that real? No, that's real. I think Patagonia do a lovely range of caps made from nylon fishing nets. And I can't remember there's a name. One of the big outdoor companies is taking climbing ropes and making clothing out of it. And of course, you know, a lot of tents and a lot of outwear have nylon. So nylon is one of the ones that can go to a fibre fibre system. Right. And so nylon is, it's in fishing nets. We can make clothing with it. That's good. We don't need to uh, yeah. we don't need to worry about that. Well, that's great. I'm going to go out and get myself some fishing gear. How on earth did you get this level of knowledge and how did you get into this? Uh, how did you get into this game of uh, sort of reusing clothing and um, sort of being like a, uh, a sort of mad scientist in your ozone chamber? Um, what's, what's the Ross story? I think some of it's natural curiosity about things. Um, and also, I think I have to put my hands up and say, there's not that many people have been in this industry for that long. So I might just be a big fish in a small pond. Um, I came into the industry, family business. My granddad was in the industry in the 60s and 70s. My dad started up in the mid 80s. And then it was all about reuse. And Africa as a marketplace had opened. And, you know, for the next 20, 30 years, it's always been reuse in Africa which is where our industry is pretty much been. He retired a couple of years ago and I got talking to a friend of mine Matt who's got a very much tech background started talking about take back fashion he started looking at the space and thought it was really exciting so we set up reskinned and between us have just sort of looked at different areas realized it's quite complicated but if you can find the little touch points within and put it together, suddenly it's not so difficult. So, yeah, it's just been curiosity. And I think having a job that you absolutely love and are really interested in does make it a little bit easier. So you just naturally keep looking and looking and end up on, you know, YouTube down a rabbit hole looking at a shredding machine in Bangladesh thinking, oh, I could use bits of that. <laughs> Amazing. No, that is fantastic. So if you had any young sort of people coming out of business school or fashion school at the moment, if you had some advice for them after your many years in the sector, what would you say to young people coming into the fashion industry? What would your top tip for them be? Oh, that's a tough one, I think. Because I tend to naturally, the people that are into sustainability of fashion are drawn to me. Every few years, Central St. Martins used to bring down their master students and it was really funny because, you know, they'd be looking at a massive pile of clothing, sort of 50, 60 tonnes. And for some of them, you could see, you know, even if you're the next Alexander McQueen, chances are your clothes are going to be here. 
And I think that was a bit level a leveler for them. You know, clothes, it's fashion, it goes out of fashion and it's going to come back. So I think my advice for anyone coming into the fashion industry is to say it's changing quickly and probably won't be the industry it is, which might, I think will be a better thing. But technology's moving really quickly, so things are going to change. Brilliant, yeah. Are you having any impact or working on the sort of charity sector? Because a report by Oxfam said that around 90% of clothes donated to charity shops in the UK are sent to the developing world, principally Africa, and sold in local markets. Is that something that we could address through a business model like Reskindle with Reskindle, or does it need to be sort of slightly further up the supply chain for you to get enough value from re- reselling a, a, an item, or is, it, is the charity sector something that you've got your eye on? The UK's a little bit of an anomaly in the world. We have a really strong charity shop sector, which has come from post-war. So I think the UK's reuse and recycling rates um, about 30-odd percent, which is really high. When you look at someone like America, it's 14%, most of you it's 20 So the charity sector with the shops does a really good job of selling clothing and keeping it as close to the home as possible. I think the problem lies with charities are ultimately there to make money for the charity, you know, the charitable purpose and the good work that they do. So quite often they get inundated with donations. I think I've read somewhere it's about 20 to 30% of the clothes donated are actually sold in store, or as you said, Oxfam is on 90%. So, and that's because the UK public doesn't traditionally shop in charity shops. You know, sometimes it's why would I go to a charity shop and spend a 10 on a T-shirt when I buy one for £5 down the road and it's a lot easier. And the traditional route, as I said, and which is my background, was selling to Africa, which is no bad thing. It's got huge benefits for African countries as a generator of income through customs duties, work. And what I think sometimes people lose sight of, there is only a finite number of resources in the world. I'm sure you've heard, you know, if you've got a front door, if you've got a door on your toilet, you're in the top five percentile. 90% of the world does wear secondhand clothing. And a lot of the time that is not out of choice. It's clearly because it's an economic means and decision because they can't afford to buy new clothing. And there's not enough clothing production that everyone can buy new. So we've got to look at it, you know, uh, how we redistribute resources. I think the problem with the secondhand clothing sector is it's been largely forgotten about. I know I've been with the Textile Recycling Association for 20 plus years, which is the trade body. And as an industry, we've always said there needs to be more regulation. There needs to be regulation on who can collect clothing, who can process and sort it. And once it is processed and sorted, there needs to be you know, a standard as to what can be exported. Exporting clothes that got damaged zips and buttons or tears in them is absolutely ridiculous it should be recycled here likewise you know sending unsorted clothing to Africa or even you know sending it over to Eastern Europe why send a jumper to a hot country and send a t-shirt to a cold country On this show, we're building a hall of fame for climate heroes, and we always ask our wonderful guests to leave something in First Mile's Climate Heroes Hall of Fame. So, what or who would it be? So, my climate hero is actually a plastic straw, simply because, you know, having a young family, 
it's amazing just how quickly they disappeared. And that was the point that I realised the rest of the world is actually getting turned on to the environment and are having a conscious and how quickly everyone can change if they want to. Brilliant. And my second question I'm asking guests at the moment is if you could have a one-to-one with either Rishi Sunak or Keir Starmer, I'm doing both just in case, you know, you never know, we might have a change of leadership. What would be the key message that you would land on them? Oh, I think it's going to sound really boring, but simple stuff like, you know, remove VAT off of pre-love clothing. It's going to make it 20% cheaper and more people are going to get involved. It also makes it a lot easier for us to do it. I'd say try and get a system so you have sustainability scores on garments. I know there is something ridiculous, like a million and one different labels on garments from organic cotton through to other things that people don't understand. But if we try and level the playing field so everyone knows what's good, what's bad, and point out the greenwashing, that would definitely help. And I think the other one, which is, you know, extended producer responsibility, the French have got onto it, Europe are talking about it, the UK has been deliberating on it for the last 15 years. But, you know, if brands with a high turnover should commit 5 to 10% of their revenue for reuse initiatives, and the smaller brands have to put into a pot that gets put through just to help this reuse and the recycling, that would make a huge difference for our industry and help de-risk some of the new technologies that are coming out. Brilliant. And is, have the government got a time frame on um, producer responsibility for fashion? Or is it, I know it's been talked about, but is there any sort of roadmap for... The last I heard it was, with a fair wind behind, it wouldn't be before 2025, 2026. I think even though we're not in Europe, I think the Europeans are going to get there a lot quicker. And because so many brands are international, the UK will probably adopt whatever the EU does. Yeah, perfect. Getting right back to the nitty-gritty of reskin, what does what does success look like for the business and look like for you? I'm still shocked at how quickly we've gone from this being an idea to now we've got so much interest not from just UK brands, but we're getting phone calls from America saying, when are you going to start up here? Success, I think, for me, is when you talk to people and they say, like you just did, you know, I went on your website and I missed out on buying something because that shows that people have really changed their views on Free Loved. I'm constantly surprised. So when we took on Jules, I'll be honest, I thought to myself, their customers won't engage in this. They're probably a little bit older. They're certainly not going to be interested in buying free love. Because I think, you know, probably my generation and others, there's still a stigma attached to it. But I think that's completely changed. The Jules customers, you know, they send back all of their clothing. It's really neatly packed. You can tell that they've loved and cared for it. And then equally, when we sell it, we're getting such great, you know, feedback off of eBay. We're getting great feedback on our website where people are saying, you know, thank you so much. I love what you're doing and the garments, the clothes arrived as I expected and I'll definitely be buying again. And we're seeing that, you know, we're getting lots of repeat customers. So I think from my point of view, success is just getting more and more brands on board and that way they can collaborate together on the recycling aspect. As you know, anything in the waste industry relies on regular supply and tonnage. So we've got to ensure that we can do that. And then once that's in place, the investment will come for the new fibre to fibre technology. You'll get universities looking into it, R&D centres, and sort of looking at new materials, different ways to make it, and keep 
keep it in the loop for longer. What's coming up at Reskin that you're sort of super excited about that you can tell us about? Most most people have some great initiative that uh, they can't can't quite tell us about yet. But have you got something coming up that all our listeners should be watching out for? Things to watch out for. I think the website's going to get bigger and better. But equally, pre-Christmas, we trialled a pop-up shop, which worked really well. So whilst myself and Matt perhaps didn't think we'd ever end up in retail, pop-up shops are just you know, brilliant. People can come, they can try it on, they can look at it, and you get that interaction with customers that you don't get online so much. So I think, you know, watch this space next year. There could be something very exciting happening there. And presumably, so, you know, in the future, you could, I guess, restock sort of the the, the cleaned and and um, checked and and you know, relabeled Finisterre or Jules items back in their own shops on a on a resale rail, um, and you become sort of the closing the loop and fulfilling it back into the stores. Is that something you're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. And I think something from a technological point of view, so RFID tags. I think you're going to change this industry really quickly. So I don't know if you're familiar with them. If you go to Uniqlo or other stores, they now have a tag that's sewn into it. So when you pop it in the basket, it tells you what it costs and you don't have to put it in the till. But the benefit of that also is you can keep data as to what the material content of the clothing is, what design it was. When it comes into us, we can scan it. It will tell us exactly what it is, what the sales price was, hopefully bringing some of the pictures which makes means we can list it a lot quicker and it just gives that data tracking from all aspects of the supply chain so in an ideal world which probably does might sound a little bit scary you can buy a garment from a brand six months eight months time they can say oh you still got that garment if it's in this condition we'll give you a trade and if you want to change the style of it it can come back to us we can sell it online repeat the process again, repeat the process again, repeat the process again. And then when it does actually get so tatty that it can't be repaired, we know exactly what's in that garment, what's happened to it, which makes the recycling of it really easy. Wow, that's amazing. And so that in that tag, it would have the sale date, would it? So you'd also know how long it had been in circulation. Yeah, so the tag's wow. similar to a QR code. It just fires you off to the cloud and the data's all stored there. Ross, that's amazing. Um, before we go, obviously tell us what the Reskin website again is again, because you're an e-commerce business and you need our lovely listeners to go there. Um, and anything else you want to uh, plug or promote or talk about before we go? I think, thank you so much for having us. And yes, go to reskinned.clothing. You can also find us on eBay. So if you search shops, it's eBay Reskinned and you're going to find us doing some exciting stuff with them soon. Um, and we've got the pre-love shops on there with jewels and other things to plug. I think just please, please, please plug Finisterre, Sweaty Betty, Jules, all of the partners that have joined with us. And I know it's been a massive leap of faith for them and they've stuck with us. And as other brands come on, you know, the families just can get bigger. Fantastic. Brilliant plug. Ross, it's been absolutely amazing at having you on First Mile's Climate Heroes. Thank you very much and uh, good luck with Reskin. Thank you very much. I'm Bruce Bratley and you've been listening to First Miles Climate Heroes, where we meet incredible people making an impact to tackle climate change. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday.